playing golf. I, I should always hey, keep I, track of what that is, uh, episode. I should give a golf there. update. You know, local golf thing. I should is there, give one. Is there local golf updates to give? Yeah, yeah. Oh, all right. Well, I, I guess give a golf update then. Are you ready or what? I mean, if you got a golf update, yeah, go they were for online. It. Uh, oh yeah, or we're, uh, yeah. Welcome on the, to the air, Mitch's as dad they podcast. say. I am Mitch. With me, as always, is my dad. Episode eighteen. Eighteen. Are you writing these down? Because I'm not sure about that. I I just looked at the uh, the list and uh, oh okay, we're on eighteen, yes. All right. So pretty wild. Okay. Yeah. Well, I got a couple of things. I'd like to cover. What was the one we were going to cover right there before we went on the air? I said, so oh, golf. I, I was, golf. Let okay. me give you a golf. Okay. Let me give you a the quick golf, golf thing. And we'll talk about other stuff. All golfers that listen in. <laughs> you know, I'm in of a Texas Golf Association, which is uh, one of the largest golf associations in the world. Okay. Um, puts on a thing that's called League Play. So the, the your golf club that you belong to plays against other golf clubs okay. that are in the league. Last year, I captained a team from the Tierra Verde golf course in Arlington that won the league. I mean, we were number one. We finished first. We went to the state finals in San Antonio. We did not win the state finals, but we did have a great year. Lots of fun. This year, I've joined a different club. I'm now the captain of the Water Chase Golf Club, which is uh, sort of on the border of Fort Worth and Arlington. Um, and we are playing a match this coming Saturday against the team I used to be the captain of, Tierra Verde. So it's going to be kind of a lot of fun seeing some of the guys from last year. And yeah, it sounds like a little bit of a re reunion then, huh? Yeah, and, you know, there'll be a little jazzing around and jiving back and forth. And, you know, they'll be trying to beat us because of me being the captain over here. I'm like a traitor or something, I guess. Uh -huh. Anyway, uh, I'm the oldest participant in the entire league statewide. Wow. So. Not giving uh, up without a fight. I, I, I'm hanging in there. But anyway, that's that's it for the golf. We, we don't need to talk about that anymore. I've got a couple of things. Okay. If you want to get into this, one of the things I would like to do <clears throat> on a regular basis, if you don't mind, is have a soprano <laughs> rundown of the latest soprano episode. You know, and I can explain how I'm watching the episodes and why I'm watching them and all that. Yeah, we did that in the very beginning. We did that for the first yeah, few got episodes. Off of, let me explain yeah. to you real quick to, just to make you recall it. Okay. My wife gave me the Sopranos entire lifetime DVD set. 87 episodes. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> Back in 2008, I believe. Yes. So I spent 2009 and some part of 2010 watching those episodes, you know, like a couple of weeks and I'd spit a week and watch one and so forth. I ended up running over a year later 
I ended up watching the final episode again, which is a classic bit of TV, by the way, the last episode. I got so to, real now, quick before I forget, you're looking very thin today. Yeah, uh, I've been losing weight out? because of the amount of golf I've been playing. Wow. It's, I mean, it's noticeable. Yeah, everybody says that. I, that's a good. That's a good thing to say because everybody everybody notices that. And I'm getting very tan and red and everything. Yeah. All right. Sorry, I didn't want to. Yeah. Just shed the pounds when I stopped playing golf for some reason. Um. So anyway, I started up again watching The Sopranos. And uh, what I'll do is I'll kind of start running down just like the last episode I watched. And I'll make it as short as I can, but every now and then there'll be an episode that I would consider an extreme classic episode. Now, that just happens to have happened this week when I watched. This is one of my favorite episodes of all time. And in fact, this episode was written by Imperoli, Michael Imperoli, that plays uh, Chrissy. Chrissy. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. God, it's like his son kind of thing. When is it brought in Tony's rave that he goes into about the Italians coming to America. Uh. <laughs> and he also it also covers the fact that Chrissy spent one minute where he was dead in the hospital. He had been shot and he was his heart stopped beating and he was clinically dead for 60 seconds. Right. Course, they brought him back to life, and he has a whole story which I'll get into about what he saw in that one minute. And so all this is in the same episode. And then there's the religious aspect which Carmela brings into the picture because of what Chrissy talks about. So, anyway, let me just kind of get into it if you don't mind doing that okay, right okay. now. Okay, this episode, anybody who wants to look it up. This is season two, disc three, episode nine. It's called From Where to Eternity. Now, Chrissy got shot by these two guys that were trying to get him to let them become made men and all that, two young guys. And they finally got fed up with the fact that they weren't getting anywhere. And they decided if they bumped off Chrissy, they, somebody would give them a job in the, in the, in the gang. So <laughs> that's what they attempted to do. And in attempting to do that, one of them gets killed and the other one gets away. So part of this episode is about the search for this one guy that's still on the lam. Right. That shot Chrissy. Chrissy's now in the hospital. He goes through the one minute of death thing. Yeah. And he comes out of it, and he asks for Polly and Tony to come to the room. He tells the doctor that's who he wants to see. Now, he's all, you know, in the bed, and he's in intensive care with all kind of wires and all this. So you know who Polly is. Polly's yeah. the one with the white streaks. Yeah, with the stripes, yeah. Stone Cold Killer. Yeah. Polly Walnuts. Polly Walnuts. So Polly shows up with Tony in the room. And Chrissy says, I'm going to hell. <laughs> mm, mm. I find the Sopranos funny besides the... Yeah, yeah, no, I remember that, yeah. It does have a sort of a funny... It's so, surprising to me oh, how many of these I remember when you mentioned them. But... How are you going to hell? He says, well, I... He says, during the time that I was dead, 
I went through the famous tunnel with the light at the end. When I got out the other end, I was in an Irish bar. In <laughs> <laughs> the balsa was this giant Irishman. And, his, and he says, my daddy was in there playing cards. So Paulie says, how do you know this is hell? He says, well, because my dad played cards all night long, every night, and he always lost. It's got to be hell. So the bouncer, so then Tony says, well, why do you think you're going to hell? He says, the bouncer told me that, that I'm coming to join them. He says, yeah, but you're still alive. He, he, was, he meant if you'd have died right then, you might have had a shot of going to hell. But you, you didn't die, so you're not going to hell. So anyway, this is, this is Tony thinks it's ridiculous. He just kind of storms out of room. room. Paulie, on the other hand, has got questions. Right. So he says, Paulie says, uh, did this guy say anything else? You know, down in, down in where you are. Yeah, yeah. He's, he said, yeah, he brought up this guy. I don't know who he was. Some guy's name, Cipriano or something. Right, right. As you remember, you and I took care of that job. He says, yeah, why did he bring that up? <laughs> he said, giving an example of why we're going to hell. But he goes on and on about this hell thing. And, and t Chrissy's sitting there pushing the uh, button, you know, to get the morphine. You know how they give you the thing for the campaign. You've seen that in a hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The morphine, yeah, drip deal, yeah. And the more you press it, the more you get to kill the pain. So he's sitting there and he's killing that button while he's talking to Paulie. Anyway, Paulie kind of craters and he has this big thing where he goes to see a, one of these, uh, uh, what do you call those guys that talks to dead people, you know. Um, uh, yeah, a psychic medium or something, right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. He, see that guy, and he threatens him and all kind of stuff. And the guy brings up the name of somebody who he killed 30 years ago, and he can't get it off his mind if this guy would know that. And he kind of is cratering and all that. But that's not part of the reason I'm bringing this up. So now Tony's at the shrink, Dr. Malfi. And <laughs> he's telling her about, about Chrissy. She read in the paper that a mob man was almost killed and one other guy was killed and a mob hit and all that. So she's asking him about it. So he's, he's telling it's Chrissy. And she said, well, I know Chrissy is someone you've said you really love like a son. He said, yeah. He said, yeah, he was dead for a full moment. And, uh, he told us that he thinks he's going to hell. So she says, do you think you're going to hell? <laughs> this Tony didn't like this. He says, let me explain something to you. He says, we are soldiers. Soldiers oh. go to hell. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. We only kill other soldiers. So we're not going to hell. So she says, so she gets kind of upset. It's like she kind of loses control of the what she's supposed to be doing as a professional psychiatrist. And she kind of gets upset about the fact that he would think he, that he's not doing anything evil. Right. So she kind of brings that up to him. See, and he, he says, he says, let me tell you something. He says, when America was trying to become a great country and they didn't know what to do, 
they took in all the Italians from Italy that came over here, and they put us to work. And all the subways and all the skyscrapers and all the railroads and all the roads are all built by Italians. And that includes all the churches. <laughs> it says, but no matter how hard we worked, we couldn't get ahead. So we decided to form our own group and play by our own rules. He says, now that's what we do. And we're soldiers. We don't go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> so man, I'm thinking, whoa, this is wonderful. So later on in the hospital, Carmela goes in an empty hospital room and gets on her knees, makes the sign of the cross, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, amen, and talks to Jesus on mm -hmm. her knees in a, in a dark hospital room. Okay. And what she's doing is she's praying to Jesus that he saves Michael. I mean, uh, Chris. Michael, uh, Chrissy. Yeah, Christopher, yeah. And uh, Christopher. Christopher Moltisanti. And she's praying to Jesus to save him because she thinks he really is a person who has possibilities of being a better person and living a life close to Christ and, you know, so forth. Mm -hmm. Very, it's almost like a priest would say. In fact, right. very much like a priest would say. So then he, he pulls out of it. He gets, he gets over. He gets well. He's still in the hospital, but he's doing much better. So she comes in there by herself one day. To tell him that she's with that he's well because Jesus saved him mm. because of prayer, and you know he he's still concerned about the hell thing. So they have this discussion. So Tony, the episode ends this way. This this what I really like. This. Uh oh, I lost you. No, I'm, I'm just switching my camera back on. Sorry. All right. Okay. Go ahead. What had happened in the midst of all this? At one point, Carmela leads a real strange life, if you look at this and, and sort of make them like real people would be. Mm. And that is that she seems to have everything she wants, and she kind of leads, does what she wants to do, and drives a nice car, buys nice clothes, and so forth, and belongs to the charities and all that stuff. But she seems unhappy because she realizes the source of the lifestyle they have. Mm. And oftentimes, of course, she knows about his his uh, unloyal behavior, unfaithful behavior with her women and all that stuff. And he keeps praying, telling him she's never going to do it again and so forth. And she has a – she's a very interesting character and a tremendous actress. And she – I actually think she's the star of the show. I've told you this before. Without yeah, her, yeah. I mean, she is that good. <laughs> And so she she's she tells Tony that she's really tired of worrying about his affairs and she wants him to get a vasectomy. Just in case he, you know, was to have some kind of sexual relations with somebody that had a AIDS or some venereal disease or something. Yeah, yeah. Tony, you know, says there's no way I'm getting clipped and so forth. He said, by the way, you're a Catholic, and this is not a Catholic thing to do. Because the Catholics don't allow vasectomies. He's, <laughs> he becomes a Catholic when he needs to be a Catholic, Tony. But so she's, uh, there's a scene right at the end of the episode where he comes in late. And what it is is he had just, he's just gone, him and Big Pussy killed that kid. They found him. 
They just shot him in cold blood. They took him in this shed-like thing. Right. And they said, I want you to tell us who else was involved. And he said, it was just me and this other guy, whatever his name was. He says, okay, you want something to drink? So the guy says, yeah, I'll take a Sprite. So they give him a Sprite. They're in a, like a warehouse that's got these drinks in it, you know, it's like a grocery uh, warehouse. Right, right. He says, why are you drinking Diet Cola? Tony asked him. He says, I don't know. I kind of like Diet Cola. So he pulls the gun out and he says, well, I hope you enjoy it because the last effing drink you'll ever have. And him and pa him and Big Pussy empty their guns into the kid. So when he comes home from that, you can see that he's kind of shook up because he does less and less himself. Yeah, I noticed that throughout time, yeah. It's one Paulie or somebody. You know, he doesn't do too many of these things like this anymore. And he's kind of, you can tell when he comes in the door at his house that he's shaken a little bit by it. And she can tell this. She can also tell that that's where he's been. Yeah. She knew about the guy shooting shooting Chrissy and all that. It was in the paper. So she, he goes up to bed and he's getting undressed and she's already in bed. And if you could find a woman like this woman, this character, you need to marry her immediately. <laughs> I'll get I'll, I'll get right on that. This is <laughs> this is a woman here because yeah. she goes over to him, laying sit, he's sitting up in the bed on his side. She comes over, she's in a nightgown, and she starts rubbing his body, his chest, his neck, his hair, kissing mm -hmm. all over the head and neck, and just real passionate in loving kind of way, not uh, strange or weird or wild, just with like a loving way. I I'm almost sure she probably did the scene without being directed to do that because anytime she's in a scene in other movies where she's in a love scene, that's the way she does it. She's He does this physical touching thing. Right, right. She tells him she doesn't want him to get the vasectomy. And... Um, you know, he says, you know, you know, Carmela, sometime I don't I don't know what what you want. And of course, that's most men have that problem. <laughs> that's that's fair to say. Being Carmela, the perfect wife, as far as I'm concerned, she says, Tony, I mean, I almost cried when she did this. That's how emotional it was. She says, Tony, all I've ever wanted is you. Yeah. I thought, what a great ending. And, of course, it ends. It pans over the room, and on the nightstand on her side are the little ceramic angels. Uh, <laughs> That's how the episode ends. Nice, nice. <laughs> I, remember, I remember that one pretty well. That would be a long one versus the way I normally do it, because that's what I call a, you know, one of maybe 10 of the 80-something episodes that were just excellent. That That one there is one of them. Now, by the way, speaking of the mafioso Cosa Nostra, mm -hmm. a guy that was in school with me and that, you know, did some bookie running stuff back at the same time I was fooling around, uh, died. I got a email from someone in New Orleans telling me that uh, that he had died. Nicky Mancuso. How long has it been since you've seen him? Well, 
hadn't been that long. I saw him last time about a year ago. No. So you kept in contact with the guy for, or is that was that just a fluke? No, no. It was. Um, I had some stuff I wanted to ask him about to do with another whole subject. Um, he had to do with my uh, thing about the quarter two sisters. He actually worked at the quarter two sisters for a while. Ah, uh, yeah. Was a bus boy or something. I don't know what he was doing down there. He was a, he was quite a guy. I mean, he was a, uh, he's the kind of guy you want to have doing stuff for you because he would do anything. Right. That's the kind of guy he was. I mean, it was never a question. If you had something you needed to do, he would do it. That's <laughs> that was the end of that. Right, right. Uh, he died of a heart attack. I mean, it wasn't like he got killed or something. <laughs> I wouldn't assume at his age. I mean, if he was, I would assume you guys were roughly similar in age. Yeah. I wouldn't assume that he, it was anything but, you know, I wouldn't say natural causes, yeah. but I didn't yeah, assume he could uh, whack You know, New Orleans is famous for clogged arteries with that food they have down there. Mm, that Cajun food, yeah, that'll get you. Yeah. Now, one of the subjects I wouldn't mind touching on, if you want to get into this at all, because I think I brought it up one time and you said, you didn't know whether we should talk about this. But I can make it, you know, where you'll realize it's not something. All right, well, I'm open. But, uh... I think I told you that I like to buy women's clothes. All women. Oh, no, actually, I I, I wanted to get into it. I said I didn't know if you would want to get into it. I always no, thought it no, was... No, not anything. There's no negative to it. It's not like I'm buying clothes and wearing them. No, like, no, I know that. Pants. I know. I, I guess this has to do with buying clothes for women. It's it's the thing of like uh, I, I I remember I have mentioned that to friends of mine a number of times. I say my my dad buys <laughs> Vogue magazine. He keeps up on women's fashion. He'll watch the E Fashion File. He knows women's fashion fashion trends, and they yeah. they just kind of go really. And I was like, yeah, he doesn't wear them. He just he just knows this stuff. He just he's fascinated by women's fashion. And I, I just said, you know, that I, I'm really that's something I found out recently that kind of changed a lot of my view, because I, I guess I, I I have always I've looked at you for a number of years as like overwhelmingly masculine and almost uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say compensating per se, but just sort of, um, you know, where where I even told you prior to our prior to us starting this podcast that I thought for a number of years you would have preferred I was in sports instead of like acting in comedy because I thought that you thought that was stuff for gay people or something. Uh, I, it's just a weird impression I got. Just I, I so I always I took you as like exceedingly jock and sports guy, and so to find out to me the two biggest things that changed that were one, no, you'd actually prefer I was in the arts, and two. Uh, keeping up on women's fashion, those two things kind of shocked me and took me out of that preconceived um, notion I had. So I, I'm fascinated by this. So by all means, talk about well, it. Well, you know, you know, a lot of people think of me so totally different than what I actually am because of the way I look. You know, I'm such a big hulking guy that, uh, and I'm very, uh, you know, kind of overwhelming i guess intimidating to some to some degree just in my physical appearance mm -hmm. 
So I think a lot of people would fall in that category of being surprised that I would even go to a – I know when I talk to relatives and old friends of mine and talk about belonging to the Dallas Museum of Art or the Kimball Art Museum in Fort Worth and going to their shows and really enjoying the whole art thing, right, right. it seems just so – counter to me you know i mean it's like i can't believe marzoni is doing it yeah well so it's kind of a i don't know i guess it's just something maybe i i don't know the art thing uh i think is driven more by jenny my wife because of her interest in it and her actual participation as an artist right that makes sense uh anyway but you have always been into movies and such what i was going to bring up and i and i kind of hesitated at first at doing this because i don't know who's listening to this and (laughs) i know jenny listens sometime and and uh sheila i have no idea if sheila has ever told her mom about it or anything or tommy right so I kind of wanted to say this so that it doesn't sound like I'm talking too much about Leslie. But your mom was where I kind of started the idea of buying clothes that I like to see her wear. Okay. She was the kind of person that was fine with that. My present wife, Jenny, is not too... (laughs) You know, she can't imagine that I would know better than her, which I'm not saying I would know better than her, but I'm saying she doesn't, you know, she doesn't revel in it the way your mom did. So at Christmas time, back in the 70s and 80s, I used to do a lot of shopping. At that time, it was a kind of a hot place to go. It no longer is, but the limited, have you ever seen the yeah, limited yeah, store? Limited, yeah. They're still around, but they're not as in as they used to be. Yeah. I used to like to go to the limited at Christmas. I was a lot of time the only guy in there. And uh, just pick out some outfits. And I would use like actresses in movies and the way they would dress. Okay. For instance, Jane Fonda. You may remember seeing Jane Fonda records around at your house because your mom liked Jane Fonda workout records. Yeah, I remember those, yeah. That's all I knew of Jane Fonda until I was well, about 20 and watched Barbarella. I was like, oh, that's where she yeah. came from. <laughs> well, she actually played in quite a few movies and, in fact, won, won an Oscar for Clute. And Clute, in the movie Clute, this was the first, like, real drama role she ever played. And uh, in that movie, this is from the 70s, your mom and I went together with another couple, in fact, to see that movie. And uh, this outfit that she wore in there, it was black sort of corduroy slacks with black boots, with a black turtleneck sweater and a black belt with a maroon jacket, which you'd call a waistcoat. You know, it just came to a waist okay. kind of jacket. And the boots were maroon. I'm sorry, not black. They matched the thing. So I just thought, man, I'm going to get that for Christmas. So sure enough, I got that exact outfit. Well, I, that's the way I used to do it. I, w- I would like see a mannequin or something in a magazine. And it, it, I wasn't really worried about the brand of it. Right. You know, I would always try to buy something of good quality. But I wasn't, you know, looking for 
some original dress that would cost $5,000. I was trying to match the color and the idea of the match. Right, right. Sweaters and whatever. I always like buying the winter stuff in Christmas time. Women look better in winter clothes to me, except when they look like Raquel Welch in a bikini or something. But uh, I hate bikinis, but yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I like, uh, you know, winter clothes on women. They, they look very, very good in winter clothes. And I'm very unusual with that, by the way. Most men much rather see them in shorts and halter tops. Um, the problem with shorts and halter tops is it's very easy to look a little trashy. <laughs> Well, that's you know? see, that's 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 where we differ. <laughs> yeah, right. right. So I, I like them looking, you know, sharp. So anyway, that's what I would do. I would pick out these outfits, and and usually they would kind of mix and match. You know, like you could wear the corduroy pants with, you know, white shirt. You know, like that. And so I would get I don't know how many, but we used to have huge Christmases. Yeah, I remember them. And yeah. yeah, I mean, well, you guys had ridiculous. Yeah, Christmas. yeah. Not just huge. Out of Christmas. control. Yeah. Plus, I would display this stuff for you guys. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Of course, you would get up at 2 o'clock in the morning after I went back to bed, and you would be down there trucking around in the gifts. Worse than Meredith. (laughs) I think you used to go wake up Meredith. No, no, we already already discussed this. Meredith would wake me up, surprisingly. She would wake me up. Okay, well, all I know is by the time I went back down to get photos and see what was happening... You guys had been up and everything was open and <laughs> you were already playing with the Star Wars monsters yeah, and all yeah. that. And war zone anyway, down there. Yeah. That's what that's what I would do. At Christmas, I would get this huge, you know, it would be like a year's supply of clothing outfits. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I would go on and on. There was a movie on recently. In fact, this was over this past weekend on cable. It was a movie called The Morning After. It was a Jane Fonda with, uh, this was an 80s movie, with, uh, uh, what's his name, just won the Oscar last year, uh, the big guy with the brother that plays uh, in the movies. Oh, shit. Yeah, I'm sorry. I feel like I've seen this movie. The country singer. Chris Christopherson? No, no, oh, no. Okay, no. well. He's an actor. Uh, he's not a singer. This guy. All right, well. You said oh, he's a anyway. country singer. I'm thinking Chris Christopherson. Oh, Played a country singer in a movie, won an Oscar. Joaquin Phoenix? No, no. <laughs> uh, no it's a little old. Well, a little old. I was thinking that would sound ridiculous, but I just would not said the name. Jeff I can't Bridges. Believe I don't remember. Everybody that's listening to this is yelling out the name right Jeff now. Bridges. But, but me. Jeff Bridges. So anyway. Jeff Bridges, no? Jeff yeah, Bridges. I kept saying that. I was that's like, a, uh, hello. Okay. Thing after was a movie with Jane Fonda and, and Bridges. It was a thriller kind of movie. She finds a dead body in her apartment and all this stuff. Anyway, I won't talk about the movie itself. Yeah. I'm watching this movie over this past weekend, and it suddenly, it, now you got to understand, I can cry watching a cartoon. Right. Okay, you know like that one up you gave me to watch? Oh, that was so good. Uh, that's tears. Tears are coming down. Real quick, tears. did you find, because I found that, like, I was crying within the first two minutes of the film. I mean, when they do that opening montage, I'm like... I was probably a little further into it, but that was a great uh, movie. I just feel like that's where I was like, these guys are pure geniuses. They they can show me a couple of globules on the screen, and in two minutes, <laughs> they're they're real people that I know... And I'm connected, and I want it to happen for him or whatever. And you see the wife die, and like that's the intro to the film. 
And I'm yeah. just I'm just sitting there like <clears throat> you know like and I was I was yeah, on a date with a girl. I look over and she's just head and hands. And I was like, okay, I can cry a little bit because she can't see me. My problem with the beginning of it was I was not convinced that I was going to sit through it because I mean I you know it's not something I would do yeah, yeah. with the illustrated type movie like that. But you know, so I didn't get struck right off by what happened right in the beginning. But as he went through the thing. I mean, I was going to pieces now. So, I mean, I, I, I cried. I felt like you could relate really well to that. So I was like, it might be a little too much. So I'm sitting, I'm sitting there watching the morning after, okay, this movie. Mm-hmm. Nothing spectacular about it. It has some sudden scenes in it that are pretty good. But, I mean, very young. I mean, Jane Fonda and, and Jeff Bridges are very young in this. Yeah. Uh, so from the, it's like 1985. <clears throat> and... uh we would have been living in Arizona by that time. So I'm sitting there, and all I can think of, she walks out in this outfit, and it's the exact outfit that I bought your mom for Christmas. Mm. That, and, you know, Jane Fonda uh, visually in the face looks nothing like your mom, mm. but they have the same figure. You know, they're small, narrow hips, narrow shoulders. Yeah, yeah. All their features are small. And I'm looking at this movie. <laughs> I just start crying, and I'm, I mean, I'll start crying right now if I start thinking about it. And 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 what it was, it was the outfit that she was wearing. And what it was was a matching, sort of a, uh, not sort of a, but uh, silk jacket with pants, matching color, sort of a light, sort of a, I would say, darkish green, not light green. And under it was a uh, sort of a silk white shirt blouse with the tie at the top, which she would untie in the movie so that, you know, it looked a little sexier. And, uh, but it was exact, it was exact one that at the time we saw the movie, I bought that outfit for her, just like that outfit. Mm. It wasn't a Christmas. It was maybe an anniversary or whatever. <laughs> so I'm sitting there watching this movie. I'm thinking, how can I just sit and watch this? I mean, how does this happen? I mean, it's just so strange. <laughs> but uh, it was it was kind of nice, actually. So it was strange to you so that, that you that, they, that emotion came forth from something seemingly innocuous. Do I? I said, so it's it's strange because you said it's so strange. It's strange to you that you had those emotions over something seemingly innocuous, and that it just triggered well, for yeah, you. Yeah, because one thing when I sat down to watch it, I had even forgotten that I had seen the movie. I mean, you know, I wasn't. No, right, right. I tuned in. Oh, I got to see this movie because I saw it with Leslie. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like I didn't even think of that at all. It wasn't even on my mind. But it was when she walked out at one part of the movie, she came out in this outfit, and I, I mean, it was, it was something else. Anyway, um, it was actually two outfits in that movie that I ended up buying. It was also a gray sweater, no bra, with a long print dress, flat shoes that matched the dress, and a black belt with the sweater tucked in. Yeah. Very neat. Very neat. Sharp. Anyway. Gotcha. gotcha. So, so, but you keep, uh, yeah. you still keep up on this kind of stuff? I mean, the, the women's fashion, even though you're not, not really buying so much? But no, not as much as I did before. But I mean, I still enjoy. You know, they recently had the movie about the woman that's the editor of Vogue. Yeah, They yeah. made a whole 
movie. Yeah. Well, I want to see that by myself. You know, it's a documentary thing. Oh, okay. I'm I was thinking. Like, I don't know why I like it. I just do. Well, I mean, you had mentioned before that you'd like go shopping with your mom, and I think that was like something you guys bonded over. I don't know if this is bad stuff to bring yeah. up, but. And my and my mom my mother was was a very frugal woman. I mean, she used to make a lot of her own clothes, and she would talk about it a lot. Ask me, you know, do you like this color? We, you know, she'd have fabric in the house all the time. Yeah. So if she wasn't shopping for clothes, she was making clothes. So I guess clothes and going to the movies was two of the things we did together a lot. Right. And that could be very well. I I don't really know. I mean, I just. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I just have an interest in it. It, 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 it. It's very interesting to me. That whole business is interesting. There was another uh, uh, documentary here lately about the effects of the exporting of all the jobs that were part of the clothing industry in Manhattan for so long. They lost something like 187 thousand jobs yeah i saw i saw a little thing on hbo that it was in the on demand and i was going to watch it but i didn't get around yeah. to it yeah it was it was I, I don't know whether you'll enjoy it or not but that's I mean, why i, I didn't watch it, it. <laughs> i thought well that's no, kind of i didn't know that happened and i was like maybe you know you know it's a lot of jewish people running around i mean it's it, it's it was pretty that's the documentaries I end up watching are like when when i see the description and i go i didn't even know that was a thing i didn't know that happened i didn't know there was one I watched uh, probably, I want to say almost a year ago, that fascinated me. It was about uh, kids' debate teams in high school. Yeah. Did you see that one? Mm-hmm. Ah, drove me nuts because it was the way that they, they don't debate so much anymore. It was something like how many topics they could get out in a certain period of time make, gave them more points. Well, there's, all kinds, there's all kinds of debate competitions you know there's different things they do in debate yeah i, just I used thought, to be it was it bothered me that like the all they were all just i didn't know you know and i was like okay that's not debating it's just you're saying you're talking as fast as you can and that's yeah. what they were doing it was nothing like anything i ever did i mean i have i was on a debate team so to speak in high school and we didn't do anything like was in that document yeah well that's what i that's why i thought it was interesting that they had the 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 uh, the black kids team that they were like we're trying to bring debate back to its roots and they were like but we're having trouble competing in this new the way that everybody just talks really fast where we're going classic debate style really bringing up issues bringing up points and trying to challenge them on what they're saying and uh, I just thought that was interesting like bringing it back to its roots kind of thing and and uh, I didn't understand the idea of the speed big I, I didn't understand that, that the idea was that. You're in a debate that when they're judging debate contests, and this is that sort of it, it parallels a lot of industries in a way where it's like you give up quality for quantity. And so I guess when you're judging a debate from a, a strictly what's the word I'm looking for objective standpoint um, of like who did better. It's like that kind of thing is I think that there's going to be a lot of bias depending on the subject. Because you go, well, this guy did better because I agree with him. You know what I mean? It's it's the kind of thing where you listen to the debates that George Bush had with anybody, and it, I heard it and I was like, this guy just is just impossible to talk to. He's he, he's mumbling. He's, you know what I mean? And it was like yeah. clearly he lost every debate he was in. And then I would talk to someone like yourself, 
And the, and you'd say, no, he just talks off the cuff. And I was like, how can you defend it? So I feel like it's really about what you feel about what they're saying more than what they're saying. So debate as a as a team on those, those as almost like a sport becomes, well, can you hit all your points, your, your salient points, whatever, in a given period of time? Uh, can you hit the points and, and have, you know, is the writing, you know, so on and so yeah. forth. And so what they figured out is the more points you can shove into the minute and a half or whatever you're allotted per slot, that's the more points you get. So the faster they could talk, they could hit more points. But, yeah, I'm with you. That's so ridiculous. ridiculous. That is just so ridiculous. So, But that is the way it is. But, you know. And I, by the way, I like, um, I like those speaking of news items, mm-hmm. I'm pretty much ranting constantly over the years about the so-called disability insurance that people get a check from the government if they're disabled. Yeah. The reason I rant about it is most people that get those checks are not really disabled. But anyway, they know how to get the checks. Finally, Wall Street Journal this morning, front page article, the Congress has suddenly found out (laughs) that... There's an awful lot of money getting thrown down a rat hole, paying people that are just unemployed. In other words, they can draw a direct line between unemployment and the increase in disability. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. <laughs> See? Yeah. So it becomes then a welfare program, which is not what it's supposed to be. Right, right. Anyway, well, I thought it was interesting, actually. We don't need to get into that if you don't want to. No, that's but fine, that, actually, because there's a couple of things on that. And there's another subject I really wanted to talk about that this sort of leads into. And something you said earlier. But there's one podcast I listen to um, that when they have a good guest on, I really like it. If it's a guest I don't know, it, it can go either way. Uh, it's called Mark Marin or the WTF podcast. And WTF stands for what the F and um, his podcast, he, he sits down. He's a he's a longtime comedian. He's been in the industry for you know thirty years or something, and never really had a real job. Always been a comedian, so he knows every comedian on earth. It seems like, and so he's always got backstory with every comedian he talks to. He's got personal stories, personal times they've hung out, things like that. So, and he does that of his garage, and it's a huge podcast. It's a huge, huge thing now. And in fact, he got a write up in the New York Times about it recently. Um, it's and he does just what you're doing here, or I see a video thing. Uh, no, just just audio, just interviews. Okay. Uh, but basically, what's fascinating about it and why I like it so much, and I think probably why a lot of people like it, is that he gets he sits down with comedians that are huge, huge comedians. You know what I mean? We're talking Robin Williams was on there, uh, and he. Now, pardon me. Let me ask you this: mm-hmm. Is he doing this? With them right there with yeah. him, or is he doing it like we're doing it? No, he sits down in his garage with them. Um, they they come to his garage for the interview. Yeah, yeah. And again, okay. all of them know him from years of you know all of his stand. Yeah, I got you. So uh, I think that's why they trust him. But he's got a he's got a good candor where people open up to him. And I think that the most fascinating thing is probably just you're so used to these comedians being just on stage and being alive and funny. That and you know, comedians are immensely screwed up. They all have a, n- numerous mental and emotional problems, and so he sits them down and he's got a bunch of problems himself. And so he'll kind of bait them into talking about their problems by talking about his own. 
And all of them will just bare their soul at some point. But he was doing an interview this week with Adam Carolla. And uh, Mark Maron's been on Adam Carolla's podcast a number of times, but Adam's never been on Mark Maron's. And Mark was sort of taking him to task because they're on opposite sides of the political spectrum. And Mark Maron's got a huge amount of respect for Adam Carolla and vice versa. And he's, so he's kind of like, hey, let's talk about your political stuff. Let's talk about, you know, the things you say. And they got into a discussion about welfare and such. And Adam had grown up in a house where his mom was on disability slash unemployment. She never bothered to get a job or anything else like that. I think she was just on welfare. He lived in a closet. You know what I mean? His dad was gone. Like his parents just weren't there for him. He just, he, you know, poor and they didn't give a crap. And uh, he's like, I was never abused. And, he, and his joke is, I was never abused, but I, I'm almost jealous of the kids who were, because at least their parents paid enough attention to them to get angry at them. You know? <laughs> and so he was talking about disability and things like this. And he says that his problem was like, if you're genuinely disabled, I understand. He said, but I think that in a lot of situations, you know, people just because they're getting this handout and they don't they're not required to do anything they don't have the desire to get up and go out and do it exactly and uh and i don't disagree with that and i i've said that before that that if you put it's it's that kind of thing what i've noticed and this will relate to the sopranos what i've noticed you remember that episode of the sopranos where tony was sleeping with the russian lady with one leg yeah, that was terrible. <laughs> well, you remember he 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 had like an immense amount of respect for her because she did, she never complained about it and everything else like this. Yeah. And I have found throughout my life anybody I've met who has a severe disability like that, something noticeable, you know what I mean, mental disability, physical disability, whatever it is, a real disability. Yeah, a real disability. Um uh, they they fight daily to overcome it. And and it's that kind of thing is like all humans are, are capable of greatness kind of thing. It's like not that I discredit those who are disabled who strive to overcome it, uh, but it does seem like in those situations where people just have the cards stacked against them, they they try so hard to overcome it. And then you, you get somebody who's perfectly able-bodied who's like, I don't want to work. I'm going to drink a beer. Screw it. And uh, – and it is that thing of like humans are capable of greatness, you know. If you give them, if if they feel like they have something to fight against, and I really, it, it's it's almost uh, there's a variety of ways you go with it, but it, it's a solid point. And and he even actually said something about the humans capable of greatness. So oddly enough, he didn't go into the when people are disabled, blah blah. He just said like, what if somebody like my mom, for instance, when she's getting those checks, you get you tell her like, look. Once a month, you got to come down to the welfare office for, you know, eight hours and work a shift. Then you'd get her out of the house. She'd be working, and she'd be like, you know what? Work is not as bad as I thought, but I hate this place. I'm going to go get a different job. Because what he was just out of high school, he graduated with like a 2.1 GPA or 1.8 or something like that, some terrible GPA, all-star football player, but nobody ever filled out the paperwork to get him into college. You know what I mean? Things like this. Just nobody yeah. gave a crap about him. So he was like, I I would just show up to places and say like, do you do you need your floors cleaned? Do you want your windows washed? Do you want anything done? And he became a carpenter and a construction worker and all this different stuff. Um, and he was, I mean, in his book he shows his payroll for from the time he graduated high school until he made until he got on the radio, and he didn't have a single year where he made more than fifteen thousand dollars a year. And then and then all of a sudden 
at about 34, he's making $500,000 a year. And since then, it's been consistently about a million plus a year. And so is that kind of is an interesting thing where he's talking about, you know, being 30. And uh, so I, I, I'm with you on that. And that's that's the part I understand entirely is that if you give somebody too much rope, they will, so to speak, hang themselves with it. Uh, well, you know, the 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 uh, crisis, our economic crisis that we've been in here these last couple of years are actually caused by that same general mindset because it's caused by people taking out mortgages that they really can't afford to make the payments on because they can take them out. Yeah. In other yeah. words, you know, they have found these they, they found this one single mom with three kids and she's making 1100 a month and her payments are 1600 a month. Yeah. They're like 500 a month more than her income and they sold her a house. Yeah, yeah. So she buys the house because she can. Yeah. Well, that makes sense, though, because... <laughs> yeah, I guess... I guess I'm saying is, like, you can't necessarily... I'm not saying it's not partially her fault or anything. I'm just saying that... It's more than partially her fault, but it is I think definitely that, partially I think that there, the fault but there's a certain, the like, the, the bank... There is that sort of thing where it's like, you should have realized that she couldn't afford this. But they're like, you look, see, it's fine because she'll default and we can sell that loan off. To we can still make money on this girl and we don't care what happens to her instead of advising her, look, you can't afford it. It'll be bad. Well, Meanwhile, this woman is working. It's like I, can, I live in a house. In mortgages from, say, when I first had one. And that is that you used to go to a savings loan and they knew you. You had an accountant. Mm -hmm. And they they knew you by your first name. You know they knew where you lived and your wife and everything about you, just because they were like friends. And that's who you borrowed the money from. Right. Now you're borrowing the money from somebody who doesn't know you, could care less about you. You'll never see them because they're part of a giant conglomeration of mortgages all in one big pot. Yeah. And you're just one of those thousands of mortgages. Mm -hmm. Whether yours is good, bad, or indifferent doesn't really matter in that kind of a scenario because they're trying to make money on the whole rather than that one individual mortgage. Yeah. So, yes, there's guilt at that level. There's guilt at the level of the people that took the paperwork. And there's guilt at the level of somebody who is insane enough to move into a house that costs more than their monthly income. Now, I don't know, uh, for instance, like if her mortgage had gone up. Um, if her job opportunities had gone down, it's like I said, I, when I, I tried to get an apartment with a, a, a girlfriend of mine and Nad and, uh, we needed a three bedroom apartment and unfortunately neither of them had any credit. So any place we looked said, we can't look at their income or their credit rating cause they don't have a credit rating and, and we won't take their income level as credit. So we have to default to you. So you need to make three times the amount of, or, or it was like two and a half to three times the amount of the entire month's rent on your own. And I'm like, I, I don't make, you know, $7,000 a month. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't, I'm sorry. And find a three bedroom place in, in LA that's not in the middle of an alleyway, um, which ours ultimately ended up being, um, <laughs> 
But in, I hated the apartment we ended up in. But it was the only thing that we could get given that situation. And then, uh, for the first time in six years, I didn't have a job. And going from making sixty to seven thousand, sixty to seventy thousand dollars a year to making nothing was a huge bummer. And it was right around the economic yeah. thing, and nobody wanted to hire, and nobody was hiring web designers and everything else like this. And as I said, I went on, uh, you know, more or less unemployment, welfare, whatever you want to call it, uh, until I got a job. And I, I was, it's not like I, you know, one day said, well, I have to get a job. I tried to get a job the whole time. I luckily found a job, but you know, uh, it was not an easy thing. Um, and I was fortunate, but you know, I am also the type of person I don't like to just sit around and do nothing. I was immensely bored that whole time. Uh, but, what is this? What is this other thing that I mentioned earlier in the conversation that you wanted to oh, expand on? Or right, something? right. Well, we talked enough about the that's disability. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, poor people. <clears throat> Anywho, uh, you had mentioned. I, I wanted to bring this up anyway, but it's funny because it ties in. You had mentioned that because of your physical appearance, people think a lot of things. People make a lot of judgments about you that aren't true. Yeah. What I was going to say, and this also relates, oddly enough, to Adam Carolla, is that uh, his news girl, he got a new news girl a few months ago to replace the one he'd had for six years or something. And she's, you know, she's I think she's 35. Uh, she's very attractive. She's uh, intelligent. She's uh, entertaining, humorous. Um, but she's single, and she's always complaining about being single. So he had suggested, well, why don't we hold a thing where guys can write in and try to date you? Oh, my God. All right. They they announced this at the end of the day on Thursday, and you had to have your application, so to speak, in by Sunday at noon. And so <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this a shot. <clears throat> I'm, I'm, it, you know, I'm a comedian. You know, I... I I live in Hollywood. They perform at this club, the John Lovitz Comedy Club, up the road, which I have performed at. Um, and I thought, you know, they do their their podcast live from there every week, uh, once a week, out of all the, you know. And I thought, you know, I got I got a pretty good chance at this. I got a pretty good crack. Let me let me give it a shot. Um, I'll, I'll play you some clips from it because uh, it's sort of funny. Uh, let's see. I don't know if you could hear that just now, so let me. Clips from what? From from the show when they talk about me, because I was picked. You were picked. Sort of. They they, they apparently two hundred people had sent in uh, an application, and uh, I I think they picked sixteen out of that. So I was in the first draft. Uh, so this is them kind of going over the application. I'll I'll play you a couple of quick pieces. I should hear this. You think? Were you able to hear that? I don't know. I don't hear it so far. You didn't hear. Hold on. Would you pronounce that bitch? Sorry. No, I can't hear that. You didn't hear that? No. Hmm. Hold on. Let me turn up my volume. Here, let me try this. Try it again. Would you pronounce that bitch? Yeah, yeah, I can hear Sorry. that. Okay. So uh, they looked. They saw my name on the screen, M-I-T-C-Z. And this is okay. this was Allison responding to looking at how I spelled my name. Sorry, I can't be with someone who spells their name that way. <laughs> Now you see, I would agree with that. Yeah, so then they kind of go on. Hold on. They've grouped them specially. We're mm -hmm. starting with the Nick. What? We're starting with the Nick and Mitch, I guess. Yeah, we're going to start with the wannabe comedian conference. 
Now that that offended me because the other guy. <laughs> the, why, would, why would that offend you? He doesn't know how serious you no, are. No, but the other guy, his his application, he said, he said, uh, he said, I I am working on a stand up act by going to open mics. And I'm like, well, maybe that's what he was talking about when he said, yeah, that would be a wannabe comedian. But it's like, meanwhile, I am a comedian. You know, like I've made money doing comedy. Yeah, but what I'm saying is he, he, when he made that comedy, might have been talking about the other guy, not you. No, because they said they grouped him. So I'm, it's me and this guy. And he said, we're the wannabe comedians. Today they did the the Jewish. So he he named both of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then today they did the Jewish guys pile or something. So anyway, that's that. So then let's see what this next clip is. Next. My name is... Oh, wait, no, that's... that's. Uh, hold on, I'll play you the full thing that's that's all me, but I'm just hearing the... Uh... Next. Um, so this is the guy I'm up against. Kind of, I'll give you a couple of brief things about it. Yeah. I feel that I'd be a great candidate to date Allison because I am a charming, witty, and age-appropriate male living in the greater Los Angeles area. If she likes guys like Adam, I am a 29-year-old male who has lived here my whole life with aspirations of becoming a funny man. I've worked in film and television as a background actor, doing low-voltage electrical installations, delivered pizza, and for one of the larger video game companies in the L.A. area. Which one? Yeah. It's not okay. Plays are pretty close That's to the best Nick. with that. I'm, but let me explain something. Low voltage lighting is essentially you putting up Christmas tree lights on the outside of a house. <laughs> I mean, it's like you bearing that just uh, lamp cord in someone's lawn and then plugging that uh, Malibu right. lighting to it. Okay, so that's that's the first part. Here's the stand up part. Okay. Hold on. The mics. <laughs> I am working on a stand-up act in many Los Angeles world-renowned open mics in <laughs> rehearsal for a community theater. Pro- okay, so you get the basic idea. Yeah. Yeah. So then uh, that that was this guy. So let me see if I can find the one that's me. Wow. This is. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, yeah. Here we go. Wow. Uh, where is it? Hold on. I'm trying to find. Oh. Next. My name is Mitch. I spell it M-I-T-C-Z for Google Karma. Marzoni. Wow. Wow. (laughs) I'm a 32-year-old stand-up comedian slash podcaster slash web designer living in Hollywood. One of those jobs pays more than the others, but I'm gainfully employed nonetheless. Aggressive piercings. Do I get... Thought you'd like that part. Hold on. Extra points for performing at Lovitz the Saturday after you and Adam did your first show there? Performance. If performing means bossing tables, no. Conveniently, I'm not into sports, so you don't need. So you don't needn't worry. I'll commandeer the TV to yell at complete strangers in matching outfits. I, I'll bet Adam's gonna rant about dudes who don't like sports, but I'll take my chances. You're worth it. Remind him, and I, I'm an atheist and bought his book during the pre-order days. All right, well, it's all right then. <laughs> that's the part I knew he'd like because I thought yeah. he likes it when people do a little like oh but you know what I'm a big oh. Adam fan because I bought this thing or I paid for this thing they put some jingle in his pocket he's always yeah, like that yeah. so he's like well he's alright then so the thing is he kind of screwed up my thing because I had written in the letter the exact way that Adam would say the sports thing which was let me just say this about dudes into sports and I was kind of bummed that this guy who's his announcer for the last 10 years didn't say it the way Adam did but, you know, whatever. The other thing is the guy played down your actual act by saying something about bussing tables or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was a little, like, 
Uh, well, yeah, that was Adam Carolla. He was like, well, look, now performing is that, you know. Yeah. yeah. Let's see if I can get this part. I'll I enjoyed Facts of Life. Oh, yeah, I should say, Allison, that's the girl, his news girl, She she's really into Facts of Life. So they cut my letter short because I made a really good Facts of Life joke. I was a bum that they didn't tell my Facts of Life joke, but I, I had a really, like, insider joke in there. So here's the last part, kind of, or here's just that, that part. I enjoyed Facts of Life. Wait a minute. What? Huh? But the only one I can remember is where Natasha and Tootie wanted to start what? a business. What? Natasha? Oh, wait. He's gay. Yeah, no, there's no Natasha. Yeah. Oh. Now, hold on. In my defense, there was a Natasha. Natasha, was went, her nickname on the show was Natalie. I thought I would show it up to be like, I know her real name is Natasha, but they called her Natalie. So she, you said that? No, in no, the no. I just thought that she would, being a huge fan of a show, it's like if I yeah. said, if I was talking about the Sopranos, and I said Chrissy, that's Christopher Maltesani, but if I said Chris Maltesani, you wouldn't be like, his name is Chrissy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Whatever. I got or, you. Or Paulie. Uh, or... Well, they're just trying to find criticism. Sure, that's sure, all sure. Uh, it makes good, makes good radio. So here's here's ultimately how it all went down. Wow. This is some uh, slim pickings. I, I, well, we've I only seen two. I don't want to speak for you. All right, but the winner from this bracket's moving. Oh, I have to pick oh, a winner. Oh, yeah. Wait, do we know their ages? 29 and who cares? 32. Who picks the winner? So he says, who cares? So clearly he does not want her to pick me. So here we go. Winner, Allison oh. or everyone? Everyone. I, hmm. I can't be trusted to make this decision on my own. <laughs> I'm, I, I have to move along the 29-year-old low voltage pizza delivery guy is that the first one we saw yeah put, put okay name up i have there. to say something yeah if i weren't looking at them honestly i would go for the the second guy now see <laughs> hold on uh-huh. looking at them makes me want to go for the first guy but i suspect i'm not gonna have that much in common with the first guy see now this is where i was like well this is the point i'll get to so i'll just play the rest but then the second guy scares me. Yeah, but see, both these guys aren't going to make it. Okay. You have to pick one, move forward, yeah. and you're going to cut one loose. This is like the 8-9 matchup in the first round. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. going to play and the one seed the yeah. next round. They're so. not going to see him in eight, the championship. Uh, it take quite enough. Okay, both, I'll let you guys choose. Neither one of these sandbags are going to be on your gondola when you get to about five. They've they taken over her choosing. Yeah, yeah. Hold on, because it's. I have a, a few points I want to get to, and I want to hear your, your outcome. So hold on. No, but will I date them? Oh, hold on, hold on. I'm saying you're going to get raped. Hold on. When you get to about 500 feet. I know, but will I date them? I'm saying you're going to get raped in a gondola. Okay. Was that clear? Was that clear there? It made sense to me. Okay. Um, Yeah, no, I was. Okay. Hmm. I I cast my vote for Nick. I don't like the aggressive piercings of Mitch and the crazy spelling of the name either. And you know what else? If he oh, I I was going to say if he performs at the John Lovitz Comedy Club, that could get awkward. But regardless, if he Mm -hmm. performs at the John Lovitz Comedy Club, it could get awkward. So I yeah, I'm I go with you with with your assessment. We go Nick. We're going to go Nick on this one. All right. So that's. Say, but thing is, she's got the pressure. She's new to the job. She's not gonna. She's not gonna buck the boss. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I think you that's. Got no I think that's fair. Well, I think that. Okay, this is the thing. Uh, this is the thing that I liked. Uh, I call sort of a moral victory here, in a sense, because. But you had a picture of yourself. Yeah, or something? yeah, I had a good picture of myself. Uh, 
it was just me in a nightclub. I was sitting down. I was wearing a vest, uh, a suit vest over a button-up shirt with a tie. And I had my mohawk, you know, my piercings. And I was just, you know, just smiling. Not like... Mohawk you know, piercings is going to bury well, you. Well, this yet. is... That's just it. So she was like... She said, like, I would... I have far more in common with the second guy. He, you know, sort of like... She was kind of defending, like, I, I dig the guy. He He sounded like a good guy. But then she's also scared of me. But I thought what was interesting was they were like, these are throwaways. Don't worry about these two guys. You just need to pick somebody to move forward. It doesn't matter. You'll you'll drop them again in a later round. But she said, but which one would I date? Like, still sort of being like, oh, I'm thinking genuinely who would I date of these two? Which means that she was seriously considering that aspect of it, yeah. which I like. Um, that's I played it for you because I thought that you'd, you'd particularly enjoy... The the his remarks about the weird spelling and the aggressive piercings. Now, you see, as it turns out, old dad has been right all along. Ah, but I suggest to you this. This is the way I present it, and this is my this is my dilemma. Because look, if this girl sees me with a mohawk and piercings and goes, "That guy's scary," that's a girl I wouldn't get along with. Well, I understand you always no, say no, that. No, 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 but, but like, point I'm is, saying, yeah, what I mean, I'm that's saying is very, like, That's a very weak No, no, because, because my argument... That's a weak, that's weak. Well, let me let me present my argument, and I want to hear why it's weak. It is why it's weak. Well, let me present mine real a quick. A girl that likes that kind of uh -huh. stuff is not the girl you want. Oh, that's, that's what my, you're thinking. That's my point. I don't believe so you're, that. You're, you're, bringing out, you're bringing out the exact point that I would make by trying to take the other side of it. No, because I, I do, I like... You let your hair grow, you know, let it grow long or short or whatever, but get rid of the mohawk, take out all the metal, what I, and all of a sudden, your whole life will change. I, I, I mean, believe me, I'm, I'm, grow, I'm getting rid of the hawk soon, regardless. But what I'm saying is that, I, I guess... I, the, the metal, you got to get rid of the metal. What I'm saying is that I like weird things in life, and I, don't, I wouldn't normally consider them weird, but I just, based on people I've known, apparently I'm into weird stuff. And so it's like, okay, so I have like, I have things like I've. What a weird woman is. I point. do though because I, you know, I have things like I've. Oh, you know, I, I you think you. that, but what I'm saying is that that somebody who's into like, who's into just like, letting things happen, letting weird happen, and exploring, and not being so like, oh, that's scary or whatever have you. About something very much. I mean, it's 2011. This girl's seen mohawks and piercings. She lives in. She lives in L.A. Me. It's she came from New York. She has seen my type of guy a million. Uh, there's a billion of me out there. Okay, let me just let me just mention this to you. It's, she's too quick to be upset about saying that. this. I'm saying this from my soul. Okay, please this do. This is not please do some trivial opinion. I'm not. I'm not saying it is. What I'm trying to tell you is the woman that you're describing that would be the one that you would be attracted to, and that would be attracted to you. I know the people today in your age group or your generation, let's say, everything is sort of short term. You don't think very long term. Mm. But you will not find Carmela Soprano. <laughs> Neither will you find Leslie Van Valkenburg. Because you're talking about long range people that have the capacity to love a man just because they want to be around them, just because of just a passion for them. And you're going to have those kind of women that are very short-term. 
women that like this kind of stuff you're bringing up about life and all, that is not a, that is, that's not, believe me when I'm, I'm just telling you this, this is not, I have no gain in telling you this. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I don't get anything. There's no like prize for me at the end. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you this for your own benefit. The more other people tell you this, the better off I am because me telling you is not going to work. <laughs> that's not true. But I don't discount all your opinions or anything. Let's see that there's other people that agree with me. If you lose, if you grow the hair and lose the metal and you don't do anything else, just those two things, your life will have such a positive turn that you would not even, you can't even contemplate the positive turn that would happen to you after you did that. I, I understand. And the that. thing is, you could try it out. You could say, okay, I'm going to grow my hair and take all metal off my body and I'm going to see what happens. Mm. Yeah, that's a trial. Give it a 12 months or whatever. Mm. And just see what happens. You you would see, I'm telling you, your life will change to the good. No question in my mind. That's just my end of my speech. I, I mean, I understand that. I, I, I don't discount that. I guess I guess it's that thing of like, I guess I'm what I'm saying is that like, it's that thing of if, if somebody's, I, I guess I'm saying like, I understand the idea of like, if I intended to you know there, there are certain people that will that will judge me based on my looks at all, at all points and the person who's serious about me might think well surely he knows that and by keeping that then he's putting himself at the disadvantage all the time and i don't want to deal with that, that which is which is what you're saying that person that you're describing is not the person you want that's going to go into all of that i mean that's just not let me just tell you something i was telling talking to jenny about you the other day Mm-hmm. And I was I was trying to kind of think of a descriptive way of talking about your general mental state. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now, this is what I can tell you about yourself. And this comes from years of dealing with total strangers, people that are friends, people I meet all the time, people from all over the country. Mm-hmm. You have your biggest attribute is you're honest. Now, that may not seem like a big attribute to you because you probably don't have to go out of your way to be honest because you just are. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the fact that that's in you somewhere, maybe from your mom, is counter to the way you look. Okay? It's not the same. You don't look like an honest guy. So that attribute is kind of a little bit on the wasted side. But you're like a very straight, honest person with opinions, with your view of things, the way you pick up things very quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, you're very sharp and mature, and you're very honest. I mean, I'm telling you, most people are not honest, okay? I mean, they're just not, okay. 99% of them. They're just not. It brings up an extremely good quote of the week, and this comes from an interview with an attorney. He said, facts do not exist. We make them. Now, of course, my studies of Kennedys and Columbus and all that prove that pretty pretty definite in my mind. <laughs> right, right. 
facts are so easy to come by. And, and I call that dishonesty. The fact that facts don't exist. Right, right. Because usually there's a motive or a, a message somebody's trying to get to you or something to make them look like they a certain way. Right. So they lie about it or they kind of make something up. You don't do that. You, you're just very, I mean, unusual is what it is to be that honest about stuff. I just thought I would throw that in there. Maybe that adds to my idea of the counter nature of the kind of girls, particularly women, that you're going to attract, that you're telling me is the kind you're trying to attract, is not going to work. I'm sorry to say that, but that is true. I'm just telling you, there's no doubt in my mind about that. I think the way that I think <laughs> about it, those women and my look in regards to that is, I guess what I'm saying is like, I I, I enjoy this look and it's sort of like, um, you know, I'm not status quo. I, I like, you know, different things. I like having fun. I don't like necessarily following specific paths or following specific rules. And in a way... To me, I'm showing on the outside what that is in the inside. So to me, it's very honest. I feel like I would... It's felt dishonest to me. I feel like I'm dressing up to impress somebody if I don't look this way. I feel like I'm trying to make a point that's counter to me if well, I if this? I go completely straight-laced. How about this? Let's, I'm trying to get a trial out of it. Uh, no, okay. I'm with you. I, I, right, I agree here's, that... Here's, here's, here's the best yeah. idea. Here's the best idea. The best idea is for you to be like all the successful entertainers that when they're home eating cereal with their kids, they're totally different people. My biggest example of that, because I happen to know him personally, Alice is Alice Cooper. Which we talked okay. about on the DVD. <laughs> yeah, Alice Cooper is Alice Cooper when he's on the stage in a mm -hmm. concert, making a showing at an event. Mm -hmm. He's Alice Cooper. Yeah. When he's playing golf, he's Vinny. Right. You know, Vinny the Italian. That's what he is. Right. His hair's got his ponytail, no makeup on, little skinny guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what he is. Mm -hmm. Now, that would be something you could try. In other words, all the stuff that you want to look like, you could manufacture for those events when you're showing that off. And when you're at work and doing other stuff and dating girls and going to the library or whatever it is, mm -hmm. <laughs> whatever, you know, you do socially, right. you would look fairly normal, which would be handsome in this case. Right. And uh, maybe you could try that out. That might, that's not I, a bad thing. What I'm saying is that feels... I think a lot of comedians probably do that. That feels, disin it feels ingenuine to me. Uh and I and the other thing is, I, I'm but with you. Not. Like I, I was talking to my friend last night. I started doing another live broadcast show with another friend of mine, a comedian friend of mine. We do a show called Straight Riffing on Mondays, and uh, we talk with comedians and stuff, and we just kind of riff on news and go back and forth. Um, and I was talking to him because I played him the Adam Carolla clips and stuff. We talked about it a little bit on the show. And uh, I told him afterwards, I said, you know, and I mentioned on the show, I said, I'm, I'm going to get rid of the mohawk soon. I just got to get some headshots with it because all my headshots don't have a mohawk. So I figured, let me get some with the hawk and, you know, just to have them. And then I'll probably shave it and grow it out like I'm meaning to do for a while now. And he goes, well, why do you want to get rid of it? And I was like, well, you know, 
it would definitely help me get more TV movie roles, things like that, because I wouldn't get pigeonholed into different things. And he's like, oh, but you got that unique look. And, I mean, I had to fight him, you know, the same way that you probably feel like you're fighting me. Uh, where he was like, oh, but well, you stand out and everything else. And he's like, well, you know. he could have a motive. I don't know. He could. I mean, yeah, possibly. But I don't think People that uh, – I think that, like, one of the things that I really like doing, one of the things that I've heard a number of comedians believe, I respect, Let me ask you this. Yeah. Do you believe that people that you know generally want you to be successful? Yeah. You do think that? I do. I mean, people that I know, I that I trust and like? Yeah. I don't think that's true. Okay. People are very envious. I think it's a natural thing. Envy is a natural state of mind. And I don't think they wish people well. I really don't. Well, I think. Now, that's just my opinion of people in general because I happen to know 80% of people are exactly that way. Well, in in regard to this particular conversation, he he saw what I was talking about with the TV movies thing. But what, what he has mentioned in a number of comedians i know and respect have told me and and probably why they're you know why they said that they had they really liked my act and one of the things that makes it stand out is that you see a guy like me go up on stage and everybody just kind of goes you know wow and they just be quiet and then i start talking and i'm eloquent and i'm making you know good points and i guess i you know i sound more intelligent than i look or something like that and they said it takes people by surprise and that surprise gives you in comedy, what you need is about a minute and a half. Uh, that first but minute see, and a half. I'm not trying to take that away. No, I'm not saying you are. I'm saying that you just my wear comedian friends, that's what, they, that's what they've all seen. They've all seen you know, a lineup of straight-laced comedians go up and do their thing. And getting that first minute and a half for an audience to let you do whatever. You start with that blank slate or whatever have you. That's why famous comedians, you know, they can go to a small club and bomb but people still think they did well because they this just wanted to see my, that this guy. This fits my strategy. This fits my strategy. My strategy is yeah, you look like that when you're on the stage. Well, I that's, can't necessarily be shaving my head into a mohawk every time I go up on stage well, and trying to grow it out. The point is you, you can do a lot of stuff with your hair that's not a mohawk that would be just as crazy, okay? Right, right. You know that. I, I do. I just, I again, I would feel, it feels to me ingenuine to be two different entirely different like kind of personas if you will granted the way that you and i talk don't bill cosby is two different personas no, I, I mean i'm saying like the way i am on stage is not how i am in a casual conversation the way i am in conversations with you on this podcast are not identical to how you and i would talk over the phone um you know what i mean when i'm talking with oh close close this is about close. as close as i get publicly to a real conversation um but when I do my other shows, my conversations with people are not the way I am. The way I talk is not the same. So to some degree, yeah, there's a persona or whatever. There's a slight difference in that versus how I talk in private. Um, when are you going to make this decision? Not, I mean, I, I just, like I said, I just need to get those headshots and then I'll, I'll shave the hawk. And so you I want, want my head long hair back. That's what I want. You know, so you want headshots of somewhere you're never going to look again. <laughs> Not necessarily. I mean, why would you want headshots? I don't it's understand. Just, that. It's it's important to me. You know, it's one of those like uh, before I get rid of it, I may as well have that kind of thing. You know. All right. Well, now pretty soon I got to go. It's all right. All right. I understand. It's all good.
But we got uh, we got the big Meredith birth thing coming up. Yeah, here yeah, a couple two. weeks here, uh, about two weeks, I think. Yeah. Yeah, she said April sixth. Yeah. Which I don't know how they get around to doing them exact dates, other than infusing the inducing, medicine, mean, right? Uh, whatever that yeah, word inducing, is. Inducing, I think it is. Something. Inducing the uh, inducing the birth, Induce. inducing labor yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I, I guess I don't know if they give them like a shot or something. I think they can do it within a couple days. You know, like they can get a. Well, I remember them giving your mom Coca Cola. Hmm. Believe it or not, I heard uh, castor oil was a big one for a while there. Well, all I could think of with Coca Cola was just the carbonation. Maybe would cause uh, you know, you know. Make the stomach let loose. That was for me know. or for the first one? You know, I wish I knew. I don't mm, know. Okay. I don't remember. No, it's either you or Meredith. It's one of you two. It's not from that first one. Mm. That'd have been interesting. That... The first one was, just, you know, was a total disaster because she wasn't full. I mean, she was only like five months, six oh, months pregnant. Okay, I thought she was like close to full term there or just oh, about. No, yeah. No. All right. no, she was like, uh let's see. I'm going to say six months, right up in that area. Right, right. But uh, she had all kind of problems right from the get-go. You know, she was having phlebitis and blood clots and all kinds of stuff. Well, it wasn't But anyway, um, it was just kind of bad news all the way around. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was either you or Meredith, and I wish I knew the knew which one. I feel like it's so, probably me because I'm big, big on soda. <laughs> I, yeah. I really, really like soda. And Meredith likes wine, so maybe that's uh, yeah. Maybe she had wine for Meredith and soda for me. Yeah, maybe so. But she, I think she picked up that wine from your mom. And your mom was a wine drinker. Yeah, I mean they did. They were like sisters. Her mother was a wine drinker. Yeah. Nana would come over. She could put away some wine now. Let me just tell you. Yeah. I can't even picture her at my house without wine in her hand. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I remember Nana with wine a lot. So yeah, know. but again, she it, would have wine next to the bed at night. Oh wow, wine. Well, it's like it's a thing. It's a you know, I try to tell my friends. I'm like you know, neither of my parents are drinkers. My mom, you know, it it sounds bad in theory when I say yeah, my mom drank practically every night. But that doesn't mean she drank like like I drink. She drank wine and. I saw her drunk once in my whole life, you know. But she yeah. was always had a glass of wine when she got home. She wanted to have her wine, but she wasn't. She was never drunk. So to say, like, oh, well, she was a heavy drinker. That's by no means the case. She did drink probably every day, but not to excess by any means. And I don't think I've ever seen you. I think I've seen you have a glass of wine twice in my life. Well, the only time I drank very much, I would drink scotch. Mm. Like if I was at a bar or something and with a bunch of guys or people, just I would be drinking scotch. Just scotch on the but rocks, even kind now, of thing. Or what? Huh? Just scotch on the rocks. Yeah, scotch and water usually. Mm. Sometimes scotch. If it was like a, you know, a, uh, uh, what do they call it? A non-blend uh, a mixer. <laughs> no, no, no. Cocktail. You know the scotch. The scotch that's not blended. Mm. The expensive scotch. I don't know. Glenfiddich or oh, one of those. Okay, okay. Some of those I would drink just on the rocks without any water in it. Mm. But uh, yeah, I was like a scotch drinker at that for a while, and you know, but never really. I never really in, 
I never could say that I enjoyed that more than a Coke. You know what I mean? It was like, it was like a social thing to me. Right, right. And now, I mean, I don't drink at all. Yeah. <laughs> Not even wine. Yeah. So, but, you know, Dad, my dad, now he was a drinker. There's no doubt he had a problem. I recall that. He, he would start drinking when he woke up in the morning. Yeah. Put it in his coffee. He would pour the vodka into the coffee. Russian coffee, yeah, I've had those. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah. And uh, when you when you cut him off from it, he he he, he had a problem. Yeah. That's so, uh, that was that was about that was my two thousand. That was like my two thousand eight was basically that. I'd wake up and put it in my coffee. Really? Yeah, and just drink that's all day. Drink. I think when you're waking up, when you're drinking from the time you wake up, that's too much drinking. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when you're smoking and drinking, you're cutting your life, you know, really chopping up the years and kind of going down the tubes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, something like that. You're about the future, you're going to be 160, <laughs> so you're only going to live to be 91 or something. Yeah, yeah. Everybody else will be 160. Yeah, they can have them, I guess. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I'm not sure what I'll do with those 91 years. I'm only at 32. I'm not... Hasn't gone so well thus far, but you know it's not miserable or anything. So we'll see what happens. But oh. yeah, I don't know. It was a weird kind of thing. It was like uh, I guess that that was definitely one of those times in my life where I was like, you know, I, I thought about it and I was like, well, this is something I need to get figured out on my own now, because to say like, you know, at the time the excuse was, well, I'm not doing anything else. It doesn't really matter. And then I thought, well. I think that's how a lot of people end up in troubles. It's like, you know, bands and stuff like that, musicians, uh, actors, whatever have you, is they drink a lot to excess when they're not doing so well. And then to celebrate, they do the same thing because they know they can handle it. And then what happens is some years down the road, they have a, a small rough patch that's nowhere even close to what they used to have, and they just fall apart. And I was like, I need to get a handle on this before that happens. But it was interesting to me that nobody around me really said anything. Like, there wasn't... There was no intervention. There was nobody that sat me down. You know, even my girlfriend at the time, who saw me drink that much, never. She didn't say anything. She just thought like uh. she would. She would occasionally go like, "Well, how many? How much did you drink today?" And I'd be like, "I. What do you want me to count my drinks?" She's like, "I was just curious because I was going to have a drink, or you know, something like." The you reply know. to that was, "You want me to count my drinks?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, oh well. Yeah. All right, we got to cut it off. Radio. Chop it up, cut it off. I, I I probably took too long on the Sopranos, but that was because it was a special episode. My other rundowns will last much shorter. Yeah, it's all right. I didn't mind. The rest of it was, uh, you know, quite back and forth. Yeah, we're doing better as we go along. I think. Yeah, we'll see. You know, it, I think we're doing better. And I and I'll be talking about the the. The Corolla episode and now this episode on Thursday with my other show, and I have my uh, my friend who's a dating and relationship are all expert. Things on iTunes. Yeah, yeah. And now when you search on for my name, Mitch. three things come up instead of just one. So it's all under Mitch. Yep. Reverend Mitch Productions. Yep. Yeah. But I mean, if you just plug in Mitch on iTunes. Yep. That's all I want to know. Yeah, you'll see straight riffing, RL Salvation. Um. And and there's a golf thing about all this. Uh, probably get a few different listeners. What's that? I told the golf team about how to oh, listen to it. That'd be interesting. 
Well, hopefully they'll pick the right one. Shouldn't be difficult. It's pretty obvious. Mitch and his dad, and then the other ones are just wacky. So I think they'll pick this one. So this is the longest well, one I've got, so that's good. All right. Most of these guys are close to your age, and they all mine, believe me. Oh, interesting. Well, maybe they will like the other ones. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, you never know. All right, Dad. All right, Mitch. I love you, and I appreciate you doing this with me. And, uh, of course. It's a good idea. It's definitely helping me a lot. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. I look forward to it every week. So, always good. I hope you get thinner as the day goes on. What's that? I hope I keep getting thinner for a while. Yeah. As long as I keep playing golf, I'll keep getting thinner because I think I just don't eat as much or something. Yeah, you Got watch out. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm starting to work out myself. Uh, so. Oh. Yeah. I'm, I, I figured out a plan that will actually work for me that I'd stick to. Uh, all free weights. I noticed in, notice in Hollywood, the actors, the idea is to not look bulky until you take your clothes off. Yeah, I, I don't really have a, a an image like that in mind. I just, when I've tried to work out in the past, it's always been a chore insofar as it's fun for a little while. It feels all right. I feel good about myself. But then the moment I have an, a way to make an excuse for not doing it, I won't do it. So... Now there's there's a gym in this complex and one across the street, but the equipment is crap. And so I said, if I buy a bench and a set of weights, can I can I rearrange the room to fit it? And she's like, that's fine. So nobody ever uses either one of them anyway because they're terrible. Um, How do you say the guy's name? Matthew Mahogany? McConaughey. That's the way you say it? Yeah, McConaughey. Yeah, Matthew McConaughey. Or McConaughey. Yeah. He's a Texas guy. You know that, don't you? Indeed, I do. He went to UT. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, we went to see a movie with him last week. It was very good. Uh, and um, he was an example of somebody. He dressed in a suit. He played a lawyer. It was called a Lincoln Lawyer. Mm-hmm. He had a suit on the whole movie. And then right at the end, he peels the shirt off. And you can see the, the bod. You know, he's got this yeah, yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger-looking body almost. But uh, you couldn't tell at the whole movie, you know. I like him, though. I mean, he's he's a very likable kind of guy, I guess because he likes sports and everything. Mm, he's from Texas. He shows, up at the, he shows up at the range of baseball games over here in Arlington. Mm. He likes sports. This is usually a good sign. Yeah. You know, Can't help you there. Women should take that into account, I think. Yeah. Okay. Again, not my kind of women. <laughs> But well, we already know about your kind of women, and yeah. you've already. But then again, I'm also it. not looking for anything. You know, I don't know that I ever want to get married, so maybe it's for the best I stay this way. There you go. Okay. <laughs> All right, Dad. I love you, See and you we'll later. talk again love next you. week. Good. All right. Take care. Good night. Good night.